my name is David Gloyd. I'm the co-owner of Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. Together with my partner Kurt and our friend Anthony, along with several of our customers and friends, there's always some great conversations going down at the store. You're always welcome to come join us, but in the meantime, here's a peek under the cowl. Episode 1. This is not a test. As the intro says, I'm David Lloyd. I will be your host. Um, again, uh, I am co-owner of Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. Uh, along with my, uh, my business partner, Kurt Schube, who... You'll hear from uh, periodically in this podcast. Um, You'll also hear from uh, uh, several of our friends and our our customers. Uh, Among them, and uh, uh, primarily uh, the one that's more or less going to be my co-host on this, uh, will be Anthony. Um, Anthony is a uh, customer who's become a good friend. Um, he does a lot to help out the store. Um, you know, he's kind of like an employee. I think a lot of people mistake him for, uh, an employee, but, uh, he's not actually an employee. He just does it, uh, because, it, you know, it's something that he enjoys, um, which is great because then we don't have to pay him. <laughs> um. So the way this uh, the way this works is uh, there's really about two days a week that we record this. Uh, some of them will be on, on Wednesdays, uh, which will typically be uh, myself, Kurt, and Anthony, uh, whoever decides to join us. Uh, Wednesdays being New Comic Book Day. Uh, later in the evening, we tend to pick up a couple of pizzas and uh, we'll sit around eating pizza and... Uh, Hanging out, talking about, uh, yeah, whatever. And then, uh, every other Saturday, uh, I mean, some Saturdays we'll have, like, a D&D group that comes in, and, um, you know, so we'll do, uh, we've got a comic book club, uh, which is, is a whole other podcast, uh, the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast that we do, um, but then following that on every other Saturday, we've got a D&D group that uh, that meets and they uh, play from about uh, 6 to 10 or so. Um, but then the opposite Saturdays, uh, we also record Under the Cowl. Um, and those days it's uh, usually Kurt's not involved. Um, on, on those days, it'll be me and Anthony along with uh, uh, some of our other customers. A lot of times it'll be people who belong to the comic club. You know, they stick around after the club, after that podcast, and we just talk about really all the things that we didn't talk about on the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast, uh, which is which is a much more organized uh, I guess, uh, podcasts, you know, just the way that it's, it's laid out. Um, 
we always go into it knowing exactly what we're going to discuss. Uh, but part of part of the way that this podcast, Under the Cowl, came about was before and after the Comic Club podcast, um, we'd, we'd have a lot of other discussions with stuff that didn't really fit in to the uh, the format of that podcast. Um, so, you know, I started thinking, oh, yeah, we should do a second podcast that would be some of that stuff. I also realized that a lot of times on, on those Wednesdays as we're gathered around eating pizza and everything that, uh, um, you know, it, there's some really good conversations that come up uh, just between the, the few of us that are in the store and then as customers come in and strike up conversations with us or jump into conversations that we have or, or as we start talking to them and, um, and, and in a lot of those situations, it's, it's customers that we know. Yes, we have those customers, uh, the same kind of conversations with customers that are new and aren't in here all the time. Um, you know, we're not just gonna, uh, turn every customer, uh, in, into a, a podcast star. <laughs> but um but that's basically what this is. Uh so this episode uh is is a Saturday podcast. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. This is right after our uh Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast ended. Uh so as we're saying farewell to Jim who wasn't able to stick around and uh, we kind of get into it. Uh this is the first time that anybody had done this podcast so it was kind of uh kind of starts out trying to figure out hey, what are we doing because while there was some general information given a lot of uh, a lot of the people that were sitting there uh, thought it would be fun but didn't really know how it was going to go down so we'll jump in uh talking about cheese popcorn and uh being lactose intolerant problem with cheese popcorn before most of the lactose and cheese is usually yeah. Worked its way out by the time it becomes cheese. At least at this level, yeah. I have to be careful with, like, string cheese yeah, and stuff. talk about lactose and tolerant people and working things out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, shit happens. Uh, well, yeah, let, sent me a message a little bit too late. I had already left the house, so I didn't bring any pills or anything, so I'm going to have to take off. Okay. Okay. Well, don't forget your coat. Yeah, it's a little cold out there. Just You're all set, so yes. as soon as we kick Jim out, we're ready to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's going to start his Out of the Call podcast. <laughs> What's going to happen is we'll start recording and everybody's just going to be quiet. <sighs> yeah. Huh? Like, we're just talking. Hey, record, it's like... Why are you saying? They're selling chocolate. All right, you guys have a good week. You Bye. as well, sir. You too. See you later. Have a good one. Catch you up in the yogurt doors. Yeah. Cash him. Cash him outside. Cash me outside. The yogurt doors. How about that? <laughs> Can we swear in this one or no? Is it still PG? Can we discuss that? Oh. I don't know if that has been discussed. I'll just... <laughs> I mean, not gratuitously. I'm not oh, going yeah. like, to carpet F-bomb the podcast, but... <laughs> yeah, we, I guess we, we haven't. Oh, just throw that adults only.
Because uh, well, the one thing go ahead and only because the one thing is creating the actual you know file and the request for iTunes, which usually within a week you get the thumbs up that your podcast is live because like you know we recorded that episode, we did that zero issue, so we put that up there, but we didn't advertise it, but it just gets the feed up and running so that by the time you advertise, it is all on iTunes already, um, and then you can choose you know whether it's. Uh, you know, um, may contain strong language. Yeah, because there is because we have a clean rating on the crimson one, mm. um, but then you can choose like explicit. Oops. I think you know if it's just anything but clean, so that could be anywhere. But I guess that's up to the the brainchild of the podcaster. Um, I guess I would be okay with um, for this one being that it's supposed to be everything else. I mean, granted, we. Uh, have a like, family-friendly store and whatever, but you know, this this is looked at kind of like Crimson Tell After Dark, yes. Baywatch Nights kind of thing. You know. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> yes, <sighs> I might be too delicate for this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, no Baywatch Nights. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I think that's one vote for Baywatch Nights here. <laughs> yeah, he he said no. Yeah. No. Comment. Oh, yeah. No. Right? There's a comment there, right? <laughs> no, uh, no exclamation mark. No Baywatch. No comment that. <laughs> Shit. Well, uh, yeah. It all just comes down. He's the one that's taking the reins of like editing and doing all that stuff. I'm just providing uh, part of the equipment here. Is the you know, got the microphone in there. This, you know, this alien ship here that landed from space. Right. We are so. from the planet Dupont, and we are here to destroy you. That's one thing that is good about the new one is okay. just like hearing those like kid voices in there. <laughs> There's the little stars that I think they showed in the trailer. Yeah. Just like he got stuck. Uh, yeah, and you just like when you hear like the kid voices doing that, or what you would think, unless it's just you know the adult, you know. Well, we better hurry up to figure this out so we can hit record if we're going to keep talking about stuff. <laughs> well, it has been recorded all the time. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay. I recorded back when, uh, yeah, Jim said that he had really stuff. So. Oh, it's been recording ever since. Oh, well, the, yeah. the blue lights on, so it must mean we're good, right? I, is it going? Yeah, I guess, right? Uh, is that okay. What? Hey, let's talk about what we should contain in this podcast during the podcast. <laughs> All right, we gotta get all our swears so out anyways. now. Ready, go. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> so, anyways, hey, don't yeah. say the B word. Uh, <laughs> this is under the cowl, where maybe anything goes. We're not sure yet, uh, but uh, but I'm David, and I guess we'll go around this way. Uh, Rodney, Katie, Anthony. Actually, I'm Tony in this podcast. You're to- oh, you Tony? Ooh. Hey, yeah, Tony, hey, Tony. In this podcast. All right, and uh, I guess we should be Catherine then. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> and Ryan. I, I still can't do The Ryan. The Ryan. <laughs> and Dave. I've just never been Dave. a you know, Dave. People always nope. insist on calling me Dave, but I just, I've always been a David. And even people who know that I prefer David will still just call me Dave. At, at work, too, because we have, like, I'm David, and there's another guy who goes by Dave. Or like there's two of us. It's a it's an easy way to keep us you know separated. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm David. He's Dave. Makes sense. Everybody's like, oh yeah, that'll work. No, yeah. no. People still Dave. Sometimes people call him David, <laughs> and he's he's like, don't ever call me David. <laughs> the ingrates. <laughs> you know. Yes. 
Uh, you yeah, didn't like me when I'm David. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David Smash! <laughs> but, uh, ironically, that's his last name, Smash. <laughs> Smash. DR Smash. Dr. Smash. Yeah, not like Dr. Kurt's dad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I get that all the time. That's right! Because my, uh, my middle initial is R, so like my email address and stuff like that will be like DR Gloyd. And people <laughs> see that and like... Is this a doctor? <laughs> doctor no, it's just my first and middle initial. Station Dr. Clay. Station Dr. Clay. Code round. <laughs> I think I need a bacchiotomy. <laughs> did you uh did you watch the uh, Superman movies? The cartoons? Death of and Rain of? I, I have not had the opportunity to, to do that yet. They're actually still sitting here. Well, right? What are you working with kids and shit? I mean, that's... Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like I beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have delayed beeps every time somebody swears. Um, Play that song by the Pussycat Dolls. I figured I'd wave a flag if uh, you know, a customer comes in with the next you know, hour of just, you know. Yeah. But what? Clean. We're playing charades now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a great podcast. You know, we're just playing charades. Can't hear anything. I'm a mime. Yeah, but do you remember, like, video podcasts were, like, briefly popular from, like, 2006 to 2009? We could do that. There we go. Oh, Lord. Well, we do have the uh, the YouTube channel yes. set up now, which we'll be using soon. Yes. I'm not sure quite how soon. It's kind of like this podcast. I don't know exactly when I'm going to have it out. It'll be just like... Uh, the first the first thing for the Crimson Call YouTube uh, without going into extreme details, but it might drop on Oscars night because we're going we're oh, wow. to take Thank down the Oscars. Thank you for Oscar throwing a party for me. That is so nice of you. <laughs> I, would li- I, would, I would be okay with that. I think the only reason I watch them every year is well, actually not the program, but I just try to tune in at the right time to see who died. Oh. And then see who... Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, who, yeah, who they didn't talk about. It's like, oh, I forgot about that guy. Oh, man. But what, they didn't even mention Stan Lee? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, if they don't mention Stan Lee, we're going to riot. <laughs> yeah. Because he did, because Stan always said that uh, that when you add up the gross of all the movies he's been in, that he's now, uh, you know, the biggest movie star <laughs> past Will Smith. Like, he passed Will Smith oh, with wow. all the Marvel movies that, you know, that gross the most because I think Will Smith probably had the the highest mm-hmm. over anybody for most gross at the box office. I was gonna say I thought you were saying in Marvel movies, and I didn't realize that Will Smith had been in. He's in all of them. Oh, that would be yeah. cool. Actually, I could see that. Make that happen. That's kind of a bummer. Kirby doesn't have a star in the Walk of Fame. Oh, well, actually, I heard you can buy stars for the Walk of Fame. So let's just all pool our money and go buy Kirby a star on the Walk of Fame. Oh yeah, we could start like a GoFundMe or Kickstarter. Yeah. Or- Send me money or whatever the yeah, thing right. the kids are doing nowadays for send me money. That and, 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 and we're talking about <laughs> I've gotten Jack some Kirby. Jack Kirby, not, not Kirby, not Kirby from the video games, not Kirby who may be a listener of the podcast, not Kirby, Kirby vacuums. <laughs> Jack the King. There was a king really, of the vacuum cleaner. Yes. There was a really great. Um, That's what he's known for. Right? Special <laughs> sucking. Went from sucking to blue. Suck, suck, suck. Well, what's the rating in this? <laughs> Wait. Why don't we have Liefeld vacuum cleaners then? Oh. That's the <laughs> shot fire. Right? <laughs> I figured people just don't want my laugh and like me eating crackers into that the whole podcast. There was a good um, cracker laughs. DVD cracker laughs. That's what we should call the podcast. <laughs> cracker laughs. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, there was a good special feature like on one of the DVDs about Kirby. 
on the Fantastic Four movie. The well, I, I would say the good one, but the one with you know Griffith and Jessica Alba. Mm-hmm. Like a two hour long. They talked about his life. Well, he well he's dead, but they talked about his life and his kids and Aww. Roz, his wife, and it was very engaging. I recommend it. How he you know would draw for kids and mm-hmm. you know he kind of. I just want to say hated it, but, you know, he'd come to the door, you'd always invite him in and hang out, have a sandwich, Aww. or Oz would make a sandwich, draw something, so it's... That's sweet. Really neat. Maybe I'll bring something in sometime. Yeah, that'd Check be nice. Out. I'm sure I've probably watched it, because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that, you know, I think there's, you know, the mini documentary on the Surfer one for the second movie, like, they, you know, they had some pretty good comic spotlights on those mm-hmm. movies and stuff, which you don't really see a lot. No. But, yeah, you were asking, uh, because, uh, there's, like, couple DVDs sitting up by my computer mm-hmm. and dropped off because I'm one of the last remaining people on Earth that still watches DVDs. Well, I still watch them. Oh, okay. See? Two okay. people. I'm not yeah. alone. No. <laughs> I could have a whole podcast about that too. Carry on. Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't gotten around to updating yet. I was about the last person that I uh, knew with a cell phone because I just didn't have the need for it. Even when I got one, I'm like, well, I don't really need this. And then all of a sudden, I was always on it. Don't know what it is about the technology. It's like you survive for years and years and years without the stuff, but as soon as you've got it, you can't live without it. Were there any like comic series you were late to the party to? Speaking of late to the party for things, comic series that I was late to the party for, oh. like really popular. Like, nah, I just don't get it. And then like years later, holy shit, this was really good. Walking Dead was for me because it was you know maybe five years ago I started reading. I guess about the two compendiums that years ago that there's a website that had a. A Nick and Dent section where basically, you know, a tiny little fold on the cover, then they're like, oh, this is trash, basically, and just mark it down. And then they added a Black <laughs> Friday deal on top of it. So I got each of the 48 issue compendiums for like 22 bucks a piece, I think. And uh, so I bought the compendiums, read those in a week, then bought the remaining trades that I needed, like three or four of them, then bought the couple. Single issues that I needed to finally catch up, but Walking Dead was definitely one. That, that would actually be one for me too, just because when that comic came out, um, I was I was in a period where I wasn't really reading any comics. I, I would read stuff in uh, trade paperback format that I get from like the library or whatever, but I wasn't wasn't buying any comics at, at that period. Just you know, because the the way my life went for you know for a few years in there. I, I wasn't really uh, collecting and, and stuff like that anymore. Uh, so it was during that period, though, that The Walking Dead had started. The show was coming up or just came out, and I was starting to hear about it, and I'm like, okay, I don't even know what that was. And then um, I happened to see it, believe it or not, um, at Walmart. They, huh. actually, they nice. actually had like the first couple of trades at Walmart. I grabbed one and just picked it up and just, yeah, page through you know a couple couple pages just to kind of see what was in there and uh it looked interesting so um so then i actually started reading the trades you know the first however many that were out that i picked up at the library and started and that's how i got into that incidentally i was late to the tv show too because i was reading those for a while and then i knew that the show was out there and i thought "Eh, i'll check out the show See what's up. Um, nice. So yeah, I was I was actually late to both of those parties. <laughs> That's all right. How about you? Sandman Ooh. was probably the biggest one. I remember that uh, that that Bible of comics called Wizard Magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in two thousand, when I when I was still in the military, they had a like a best of issue. So it was like a top, God, was it like top thirty storylines or 
graphic novels or, or comics, nice. and it had a little punch card you could rip out of the center and <laughs> like a little checklist to carry with you. And I remember I picked up Marvels and read it for the first time. Kingdom Come. Oh yeah. Year One. Watchmen. All so, the biggies. Amazing. All the biggies. Yeah, Sandman's probably the biggest one that, that I remember out of the whole thing. I, I actually uh, haven't even read Sandman. <gasps> Sir, how dare you? <laughs> I know, I know. Here I am. I own a comic book store, and I That's okay. haven't read that. But there's, you, you know, there's yourself. so many things out there. It's like you can't read everything. But uh, yeah, that's that's one that uh, that I haven't. So one of these days, I've got to get around to going through and, and reading that stuff. Well, at least we've all read Watchmen. I have not read Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I should have just kept my damn mouth shut. No, Alex directly was a shot. Oh, okay. I know you have. Oh, okay, so I played the bit perfectly. Yay! <laughs> Success! Um, I'm such yeah. a sucker for positive reinforcement. How, how, how many of us have, uh, have have gone to Collector's Edge in, in Milwaukee? I have. Uh, oh, raising yeah. a hand on a podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> By show of hands. <laughs> Nose goes. Okay. Um, so, so Jeff Parker was the original owner of Collector's Edge, and uh, Jeff would would come out periodically and talk to, to customers, and it's like everybody that went to Collector's Edge when Jeff Parker, you know, during, during those days, got the Watchmen mm-hmm. talk. <laughs> oh, the talk. Yeah. Now you, you can see talk. some things in this yeah. book that are kind of like <laughs> that true. talk. Or... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, he absolutely loved the book, and so he would he would sit there and, and go into a long recommendation ah. of that book to to everybody. Um, so yeah, it's like everybody knows if you knew Jeff Parker, you you've gotten the Watchmen talk. So <laughs> he's like what a used car salesman. He's like slapping the top of the book. There's so much nude blue jail, male genitalia in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have Watchmen on your shelf, or else I'd buy it from you. Uh, ooh, we, yeah, we don't have it right now. Okay, well now I know I gotta. Re- replenish the stock on Watchmen out there. Yeah. That's the one thing I hear from a lot of comic shops, like how it just, you know, it's continuously, you know, reordered and restocked because there's, like, every year it's like one of the top yeah, selling and books. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's never been out people. of print, which actually goes into, a, you know, a whole other conversation as far as uh, um, creative rights and yeah, ownership of, of Oh, of that's that. right, yeah. And, it's, and that's that may or may not be one of the reasons that it's never gone out of print. Also, the popularity of it, you know, um, you know, you can definitely see it not having gone out of print. But uh, but the rights were supposed to go uh, back. Was it supposed to go to uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons? Yeah. Or I, I don't remember exactly how how that worked. But uh, um, not sure. But the fact that it never went out of print um, kept it in DC's hands. Uh, so that was always uh, a, a point of contention. That's a good point. I mean, if they still yeah, probably keep it rolling, they did it before Watchmen, and now they're crossing over with DC and Doomsday Clock. Maybe just keep the keep turning the crank and then putting the stuff out. And, mm. I mean, I don't mind if they want to keep using the license, but I do hope with the stuff they're paying him somehow. You know, that would be fair. Like, hey, this is inspired by your work, so here's a stipend. That would make sense to me. I don't know how they have that worked well, out. Well, I mean, at the at the time <laughs> that it was done, though, it was amazing that they even had a deal like that, though, because cause this yeah, was done in a time over. when it was work for hire. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you created something for Marvel, you created something for DC or for, you know, whoever, 
Uh, anything that you were writing, all of your art and everything, that was theirs. That yeah. was their property. You did it. You know, they paid you for it. That's all my job is. So, in, uh, you know, back back in the 90s then, um, when you had formation of Image Comics. I remember that well. You know, that was, uh, that was around the time that um, the uh, creators were really fighting for um, having rights to those, mm-hmm. those characters that they had created. Um, you know, it, it's always uh, struck me as being kind of a, I don't know, just a, just a weird thing. Like, you can see where Marvel would want the rights to their stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and not that uh, somebody, like, like, could you imagine if, uh, you know, Stan Lee had left Marvel at one point and been like, okay, I'm taking Spider-Man and, you know, all, oh, all these characters with me when, when he left. And that would be a, a big, big example, but. But even some of the uh, the other ones, you know, to have uh, Len Wein um, have taken any characters, you know, he's like, oh, I'm taking Nightcrawler with me. And he just sort of disappears from the X-Men books. It will ruin or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you, you know, what a, what a mess comics would be if, mm-hmm. if that is how things went. You know, so there's absolutely no way that you could have a successful shared universe of any kind of comics if you constantly had... Uh, creators coming and going with their characters so i certainly get it from that angle but uh, it is nice to see creative teams having some rights and at least getting credit for for their stuff and some somehow you you've had it um bob kane getting his name on everything batman for years and years and years yep. but of course bill finger didn't get the same deal and so... editing was that uh, uh, <laughs> Lois Lane or Superman talking? Hey, baby. Uh, won't back down? Yes, yes. Josie and the Pussy? No, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? I have to make sure that I didn't accidentally answer my phone. I've done that sometimes. Yeah, I go to silence my phone because I can't answer at a time, and then all of a sudden I hear the voice coming <laughs> through like, Hello? Hello? <laughs> God? <laughs> uh, so anyways where were we oh yeah uh, <laughs> uh but but yeah i mean it, it's nice that they they at least get the acknowledgement at the very least but um having having some sort of rights i can definitely see i know if i created something and it really took off i'd like to get something out of it yeah absolutely you know yeah. you negotiate with weight at least but you but you hear about you know all these uh writers and artists that uh, kind of fall by the wayside and, you know when you got homeless yeah uh, that's wrong well, well-known uh, people in, the, in, in there as well. you, you know it's amazing that that kind of thing happens but yeah it's it's tough it's like how do you figure out just how much rights you know everybody should get when it comes to uh, you know, having having created the characters and versus who gets to publish the stuff and, and that's one thing that for people that will you know aren't Bendis fans or anything uh the one thing that uh hopefully they would appreciate is that he's one who goes above and beyond to make sure that all of his artists get credit because constantly on twitter when people you know praise him for you know miles morales and jessica jones and everybody you know he's you know, quote tweets that and he's like he's like well i co-created that character with and i always remember to you know give credit to those people and He's always been like that, and that's one of those kind of 
ways you can kind of course correct it in the modern age because of all those bad examples where you could now kind of, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully eliminate that from happening in modern times with yeah. just recognizing that off the top. So Another podcast I listen to always uh, highlights who's doing the lettering on the books because uh, they heard from one of their people that, um, like, you never notice good lettering or you don't consciously do it, but you know right away when the lettering's not good. So they always try to highlight the letters, which is a nice touch, I think. Learned a lot more about I still would like to know more about the jobs in comics beyond just writing, because I'm like, why is there an artist, a penciler, an inker, a colorist, and a letterer? I don't really know what they do, so I'd like to learn more about that. Just something one, I'm interested in. On that same topic, the one thing that I really learned over the last uh, maybe two years or so was how important an editor is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, okay, they're going through and just making sure, you know, things are you know, spell-checked and they're... They're this and that, and the characters are all doing what the characters should be doing. But then I look at, uh, you know, what has now become my favorite uh, series with Dan Slott and Mike Allred with Laura Allred on mm -hmm. Silver Surfer. They're 29 issues. That all started from Marvel editor Tom Brevoort, who went to Dan. He goes, would you like to write a Silver Surfer book? He's like, I'd love to write a Silver <laughs> Surfer book. He's like, all right, I'm going to, how about if I pair you up with uh, Mike and Laura Allred? It's like, oh my God, that sounds like a dream. <laughs> so it's like one of those things where prior to hearing about that, I'd always think like, okay, Dan Slott's the writer, so he wrote a story and then pitched it at a Marvel you know, retreat meeting or something, and then either he had somebody in mind or somebody spoke up or whatever, but it all came from Tom Brevoort, who I eventually got to thank last Aww. year at the con and uh, oh, nice. shook That's his really hand nice. for that. Once I like started realizing like he's the one, who put those two together to create mm -hmm. what I love, whereas I just thought it was Dan and Mike and Laura, and then it all turned out it came from Tom, and then that's what got Dan to write what his story was then. So. What, what was it that really got you into Silver Surfer? Uh, well, I'd always liked them. Um, I liked just the cool visual of it and mm -hmm. just, you know, Surfing in space. I mean, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need a spaceship or anything like that. But it wasn't anything that I was just, you know, reading everything. Because even now, as I go through my reread and stuff, there's a bunch of stuff I had. Because most of the things I've read in like trade and stuff. But when it came to single issues, I didn't really read too much. So it was always a character that was like, hey, that's cool. Yep, I enjoy that. But nothing that I obsessed over. I was always a Spider-Man fan more than anything. And then it wasn't until that run when it just pretty much inspired me to go back. And then, and that's that's what I thought I couldn't really uh, remember because I know that you've gone back and and got a bunch of uh, surfer stuff, um, but I know you really seem to to talk about it more and everything during during that run. Um, so while there's a lot of people that kind of complained, they didn't like the. Uh, the art style uh, for the surfer and, and different things about it. Uh, um, there were some, some complaints about the way that that, uh, um, that that version had been done. At the same time, you know, it mm -hmm. definitely brought in um, some some new fans, some new readership um, who hadn't previously, you know, been been big fans or, or maybe even known anything about the Silver Surfer and pick that up and uh, um, so I'm sure it appealed to some some people uh, 
uh, th- that's part of the point of doing something different with a character, though, mm-hmm. is, is to try and, um, you know, get it to take off where it, ne- you know, hasn't necessarily taken off before. Um, you know, as great of a character as Silver Surfer might be, um, you know, when, when was the last time that Surfer had an ongoing title? Yeah, his, his longest run was Volume 3, which was late 80s, um, and he reached, uh, it was like 130 or 140 some issues, which is a really healthy run, especially yeah. for a character like that. But then, ever since then, so that probably brings it up to like, what, maybe early, late 90s, early 2000s. I'm trying to think where the time frame probably comes up with that, but then, uh, um, so for the last like 10, 15 years, he would just only get miniseries. So if somebody has a story, it's a four-issue mini. Somebody has a story, it's a five-issue mm-hmm. mini. It's a two-part mini. So then he started collecting his volumes. So he went from volume three up until Dan and, and Mike's volume seven, I think it is. So there's four volumes of just very few issues, just because every time you come out with a new number one, then... Uh, here's the next volume of it. So he went quite a period without any anyone. Um, you know, I would assume that that's because Marvel um, had decided somewhere along the way that there just weren't enough people willing to buy Silver Surfer books to support an ongoing. Um, so then it makes sense to try something different. Maybe it's just, you know, you know what? We'll we'll put this different style on it and see how that does. Um, yeah, because then they did it for three years, so that was something. You know, for somebody who went from holding a book for three months for a miniseries, now you have a three-year series. So, so um, it, it it it's different to me. You know, when they take uh, a character who's been pretty successful over the years and been in more books and they decide that they have to do some sort of drastic change uh, be it style or something like the, just the storyline do, doing these drastic changes with the character um, in order to, to get different leadership uh, I mean you certainly never want to just get stale and keep rehashing the same things over and, and over and over um, but yeah, sometimes, you know, you question why they do some of the things they do with the, with such drastic changes that they, uh, they do in comics. Um, I think it works better in comics than versus say like a movie. If they try to do a drastic true. change in a movie, it's like, oh, you dummies. Yeah. <laughs> You're investing two to three years of something and millions of dollars to... You can kill a franchise pretty quick. Yeah. Green Hornet. <clears throat> <laughs> but, but the thing that, uh... The thing about doing it in comics that I don't get is um, the uh, the fans who uh, are so outraged by some of these changes um, because, I mean, if you pay attention to comics and just their the history as it goes, if you've been reading comics for as long as I have, you know that things change and they change back, you know. You kill off Superman, you're going to bring him back. Um, Cap says, Hail Hydra, and, you know, whatever. Well, people he's, lost he's, their shit when He's, he's, he's going to be back. I, you know, I couldn't believe it either. I'm like, 
or Dan Slack killed Spider-Man. Oh my god. But he received he actual know. death threats that he had to have security with That's him. You know, it's so. going back to normal. You know, don't so you just go along for the ride or you don't, you know. Um, put your money wow. elsewhere for that, that period of time and when things come back around to, to the way that you want it to be, which is going to happen, yeah. you jump back on board. Um, I, you know, I tell people that I'm a huge Superman fan. I know that you guys are shocked to hear that. <gasps> but uh, but I, I wasn't interested in what they were doing in the direction that they, they took things uh, for the new 52, so I just I didn't read it. You know? And how I, many death threats did you send out there? Uh, including the, oh wait, no, none. Oh, and secretly, that's why none. George Perez is retiring because he's doing the first couple <laughs> of years. For real, though, I mean, <laughs> threatening murder over a fake murder. I don't know, man, that's messed up. Did you just get British at the end there. Murder. Sure. Yeah, murder. I'll take that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the bitch that does get mad about this shit. So. But uh, if you don't do what I say, there's going to be murder. Of course not. That's just, that's just nuts. I would maybe have strong words with someone. Possibly, okay, yeah, we'll just limit it at strong words because that's the safe and respectful thing to do. It's like Kevin Smith said to steal a quote from him in, in a comic book, man, you know, like as a nerd, right? You know, like if I, let's say I've never had oatmeal before, and then you throw oatmeal in front of me, it's got some brown sugar and mm-hmm. some syrup or syrup if you want to be a jerk about it. Um, you know, it's like, oh, this is really good. I love this. Yeah. The next time I have oatmeal, I better have fucking, you know, syrup and brown sugar on it because yeah. not, that's not the real thing. And that's, I think, how it is with comics, too. You change a character, like Hal Jordan versus Jon Stewart. That's Green Lantern. They're bringing, who the hell is this guy? No, this is not me. It's the same right. Oh. Well, we, we get people in here. Oh, what oatmeal? That's right. I want oatmeal. Get this out of here. That's not my oatmeal. Well, I don't know. I look <laughs> at it as... My <laughs> okay, so I feel like for one thing, social media has made this like infinitely worse. And sometimes I want to ask, is this the same 20 people on the internet who complain about everything? Because there's always someone who's like, oh my god, this is the end of the world. And it's like, really? Because he just says the end of the world like last week and we're all still here. So thank you. We survived 2012. <laughs> But I don't know. I feel like a book, if it does its job right, provokes a response, whether that's a good response or a negative response to me. Like, number one, I'm just happy when people read it because I got to bring food to meetings to, like, really get people involved to read my stuff. (laughs) Also, food is fun. Uh, But so I'm like, well, I'm glad people are getting a response. Like, that's fine. And to me, also, when a number one hooks you like that, like, that's good. So it is good to get people talking about it. And I don't know. I'm kind of a purist, I guess, when it comes to characters, but a well-done character is a well-done character. For me, I don't know, I think of Thrawn from the original Thrawn and then Thrawn 2.0, which is in Rebels. To me, uh-huh. to yes. me, to me, they're, they're both Thrawn, but they have a lot of differences and there's business reasons for it. Why? But I don't dislike the Thrawn from Rebels. I think of it as Thrawn 2.0 because you can't really do the OG Thrawn in a show that is made for like or like eight like eight to eight to eight to thirteen year olds as the primary audience because the original one is just brutal AF. And you still kind of see that in the show, but they play up his tactician aspect, which is also really cool. Because I feel like Thrawn is a complex character to do right in a show, and you know, Timothy Zahn is the best person to be doing it, and I know he consulted on it, but anyway, that's one where I even see myself evolving where like I'm like, yeah, these are both two really cool Thrawn characters. And they're the same guy, and one just shows a different aspect of it for both business and story reasons. And I just think of it as OG Thrawn and Thrawn 2.0. So, yay. Yeah, I'm a know. fan, too. I'm happy he got some time. Yeah. who knows who he is? I know. Like, this is what we get? Yeah, because I'm. I that is something where 
I understand the logistical reason of saying we aren't going to do Heir to the Empire as a follow-up to Return of the Jedi. Oh, bastards, they should have. Shit, do I really love Thrawn. Okay. Yes. Now, however, okay, so I'm going to get myself in trouble. I actually read the first new Thrawn book, which is just called Thrawn, before I read Heir to the Empire, because I'm like, I know I'm going to fall in love with it. Everyone raves about it. I'm just going to try this new one first, because the cover looks cool, and it sounds like a cool guy. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. So I'm glad I read that one first, because I think my image would have been colored, you know, just because, hey, you read one version that's so outstanding, and then you go read another one that's good, but very different. I'd be like, what the heck? This guy is like yeah. such a nerd and he's kind of a wimp. But you find out actually he's not. He's just really smart about when to fight. And the second new Thrawn book called Thrawn Alliances. Oh my God. Do yourself a favor. Go out and get that audiobook because Mark Thompson is a god amongst men when it comes to narrating <laughs> audiobooks. It's like listening to a play of Star Wars in your head. It's so good. And the story is really compelling. And it shows like... It's like Morgan Freeman reading it. Kind of. Actually, that would be cool if he did do a Star Wars book. Logan Freeman reading I don't know. Does he do audiobooks? Because I would totally buy one just to see how that was. As I sat there in the throne room. (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, Anyway, I I love the Star Wars. I don't know. I got off track, but I feel good because otherwise I would have felt like a real brat sitting here being like, well, I get mad and can't. But I don't get, like, stupid mad. I'm not like, oh, these people are... I get more mad when they kill off characters I love. (laughs) You don't understand how happy I was. Okay, like in 2015 or 16, I was carpooling to work at that time, and we were listening to um, a radio show that's nationally syndicated, and one of their uh, entertainment news was that after like eight years, J.K. Rowling had apologized after killing off a character that I love that she should not have killed off, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Okay, I am vindicated. Finally, I've been waiting almost a decade for this. I tell you what, that was a spiritual moment for me. I got so way off track. I am sorry. I'm going to go back to eating crackers now i think that's what this podcast is all about well that's all i have to say about that (laughs) i try to i feel really bad because like i don't want to bring down comics for you guys because i know we have different perspectives on it and i think that's beautiful and i you know i don't want to be selfish and like ruin something good for everyone else because i'm you know having a stupid attitude because i understand that like as much as i've been looking for friends like all of you my whole life maybe that experience is similar for you too and I don't want to be the person that wrecks it and I know you guys probably aren't as sensitive as I am because like I'm sensitive about everything but I think about that and I do feel bad and I do worry because in addition to being a fan I want to talk about it from a writing perspective which is where like hey I'm happy people have a reaction I'm happy people are reading about it and talking about it and I'm glad that a number one issue does its job because so many number one issues they're just kind of lukewarm so you'll say to yourself well yeah, two and three will probably be fine, but you can't, in a business setting, do that a zillion times because people are just going to be like, no, I'm done. I'm not going to try this, even if it's the best thing in the world. So, like, a number one issue that gets people reacting to me is like, yeah, yeah, they're doing their job. Go you. Awesome job, you know? Like, people were mad at, you know, Tom King for starting out Heroes in Crisis the way he did. And I'm like, sounds like he's actually doing what he's supposed to do, which is setting up this, what turns out to be a murder mystery. Like, usually that's how you set up a murder mystery, so... I'm sad for the people whose characters killed off, because believe me, like, I know what that's like, like, for sure. But I'm glad that they're doing it to tell a story. I've, there's actually a book I'm writing I want to bring in, because um, I never want it to just be my opinion, right? Like, if I am saying, well, I think they should do this, I want to give a reason why, and, like, something that's beyond just what I think. There's a book I'm writing called um, On Writing Well. It's written by William Ziesemer. I have the 30th anniversary edition. It's probably been in print for, like, 
40 years now, but anyone who does any writing, whether you're a professional writer, do business writing, academic writing, writing for fun, creative writing, read this book. Like it'll make your writing journey and your writing process and learning how to write from a mechanical standpoint and a business standpoint so much clearer. Like when I bought it, I was doing mostly academic writing and, you know, creative writing. But now that I'm actually working as a professional technical writer where like details really matter, this book makes so much more sense to me. And one of the things they highlight is, you know, everything you say should be important and your things you write should get a reaction. They should immediately draw readers in, even more so in the Internet age. But that's what I think about when I think about number ones and people getting mad about characters and character deaths and stuff like that. <laughs> They, uh, they, they have a tendency to, to really go all out with, with some of the, the things they do if it's killing off a character or whatever, try to shock people and really... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But shock or... Shock. <laughs> yes, yeah, physically shock people. Sometimes. Um, you know, they haven't tried that for an atomic book uh, gimmick yet, have they? Uh, um, maybe Savage Dragon somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure in an image book, but... Um, Jungle Fantasy, Mike. Oh, yeah. Frank Shaw, I think, drew something. I kind of want to buy one of them just to see what it is. <laughs> you, just you, because. You, you get all 40 variants, too. So. <laughs> you think that maybe just uh, trying to balance things out a little bit more. I don't think they have more. a lot of eyes in them, though. Um, would, it'd be, would be a better it'd be way to go. aesthetic appreciation. Of yeah. You know, rather than, than these, this, this all-or-nothing uh, attitude that they'll take when they, they do something like that, you know, a little bit more more balanced. It seems like too often um, they try for new readership at the expense of yes. current Thank you. readership. Um, and and you're never gonna please to get everyone. No, know? never. No. Uh, but I but I don't think that you should do it in a way where you're almost setting out to piss people off. That's what I agree with. Um, you know, when you're trying to bring people in. You should you know. be writing for everyone, right? Like, a new reader should like it. An old reader should like it. Like, that should be your ideal. Right. Like, like as a business, we always want new customers to come in. You know, we, we need to grow. We need to bring new customers in. But we would never set out to bring new customers in by doing something that's going to alienate our, our existing customers. You know, and I've never understood that, that way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to... Because then you, you're not necessarily adding to your your customers. You're just trading one group for another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it always seems to me like um, trying to balance that out a little bit more would be the way to go. And, and again, yes, people are going to get upset because anything that you do, somebody's going to not like. It. And when you're talking about Surfer earlier, yeah. <clears throat> after reading that book. That eventually someone else is going to come on. You know, there's a surfer annual, you know, the only guy who gets an annual when he doesn't have his own series. Um, (laughs) He got an annual, he got the Defenders one-shot thing, you know. But there's going to be somebody within the next year or two that's going to have a pitch. They're going to do a mini-series, it's going to happen. Obviously, I'm going to buy it. Most likely, I'm going to like it. But I know it's not going to be what had just ended. It's not going to be Dan, Mike, and Laura's Silver Surfer. That was so removed from that's the true. style of that book that, you know, there's a piece of me that's just going to be like, all right, this will be good, but it's not going to be as good as that could be. That's true. Uh, or that was, rather. And the only people who are going to write that are going to be them. And that's what, you know, one thing I'm excited that Dan is writing Fantastic Four at the moment 
because he has that opportunity to bring in the surfer in there, and oh, especially right. for a character that currently isn't being used. But uh, you know, so while the next volume that comes out, good chance that it's not going to be my favorite because I feel that already had that very unique vision. But it's also not going to stop me from seeing what else mm-hmm. somebody else is going to do with them. And, who knows, maybe somebody's going to make him a vampire slayer and it's going to just take all of my That'd interest. Cool. You know, Silver Surfer, the space vampire slayer. Sorry, Sharon, it's Vampire Surfer. So. Well, there's there's always the, the chance that whatever <laughs> they do next with the character will be better. Yeah. That's and, true. You know, um, you, know you, you, you never want to have, have a character just peak. You know, that's true. And and, and be done. Yeah, I don't want to climax too fast. Yeah, you, you always hope that that something even better is is coming down the road. Yeah, I, Jeff Johns Green Lantern. Run, I I started. I guess you could say Day of Judgment, if you will, in mm-hmm. miniseries. Kind of sowed the seeds when Jordan comes back from the dead as a specter, and we had Rebirth, and what he did, and he handed it over. Just kind of, it felt seamless to me. Like if I read. Rebirth won six issues, ended Green Lantern won all the way through Vendetti, which just ended Hell Jordan the Green Lantern course so of ten years. Steady. I mean, I think it's just fine. Now when Grant Morrison took over, that was kind of jarring, and it's his new take. And what I alluded to earlier is the end of of of, of Vendetti's arc was, hey, we don't kill people. So this rookie, well, not he wasn't a rookie, uh, Tomar too. It's like, yeah, we need to do lethal force, you know? And so he joins the Dark Stars, and I got, you know, the ends justifies the means. These dirtbags need to be killed. Jordan's fighting for his soul. No, no, we don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. First thing Jordan does when Morrison takes over, third issue, pops a guy. And it's kind of like swept under. So it's just like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) But, yeah, and we were talking earlier, and this is um, by uh, our, our other podcast. Um, There's another one? Yeah, the, the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast. Oh, What's a subs- podcast? Uh, <laughs> I'll subscribe to that. <laughs> uh, but, you, but you had mentioned it, it, over there uh, that they kind of did did something and then it kind of just got pushed aside when they, they yeah. picked up uh, with the, this new uh, this new book. Um, and uh, that was that was something where it went right, you know, that had just happened. And I had had that same issue with some of the stuff that uh, Bendis had done in the, uh, the the Superman books, where to me it it felt like he just ignored um, something that had just happened, you know. So not not it's not the same thing as ignoring continuity from you know years years ago, ago mm-hmm. or, or even a year or two ago. It was like okay, this just happened like and four now months. we ignored it. So that's <laughs> that's what it had felt like to me. Um, and, and you just kind of wait, you know, like I'm doing, I'm waiting to see where it goes. Maybe there will be some sort of explanation um, for him having done that and the choices that, that were done. Um, so, you know, it's not like I'm going to disagree with something that was done and just jump ship. Um, you know, because sometimes after a while you'll start to realize, oh, okay, this, this is why that happened and now it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it set up the drama for mm-hmm. captain against cop, you know, against a subordinate. So it's, we'll go the long haul and see. It's, I'm impressed with the way it's going. So for the story, it makes sense. Not do it just to shock somebody. Right. So, so 
Rodney, you are not the only person who wants to know if Morgan Freeman narrates audiobooks, and yes, he has done a couple. He's part of a compendium called The Poet's Corner. He's narrated something called The Savior is Born by Brian Gleason. Nice. Yeah, and Follow the Drinking Gourd, uh, a uh, collection. It's it's from a collection. Uh, Follow the Drinking Gourd. Yeah. It, the <laughs> what collection, the fuck? Well, the collection's called <laughs> Rabbit yeah. Years, and um, yeah, I think it's a collection of uh, folk tales. Yes, Morgan Freeman has a couple. Mar- Morgan Freeman narrates so many things. I'm I'm certain that he talks in his sleep. Oh yeah. I want to narrate. And they, they record. That would be sick. They just hit record, and he's talking about penguins or <laughs> the march of the penguins. That was a good movie. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yeah. Oh man, that was intriguing. So I got a suggestion. How long do we have for time? Well, it's getting down there. Okay, never yeah. mind. Yeah, get get getting close. Uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, hour ish. Um, yeah, we're good for these. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a closing? We could unbox my Xbox or my Xbox, my X Wing game. Well, <laughs> I don't actually have an Xbox. Uh, oh, you 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 have. I have not opened it yet. No. It. To highlight some of the store's uh, other products. I feel products. like that would probably run longer than about the... Yeah, given the tirade, I just went on for like 20 minutes, minutes probably. probably have to, uh, uh, to do that. But, uh, okay. you know, when I read something tonight, I look through, like, Morgan Freeman's going to be in my head as I'm reading the comic book. <laughs> oh, like, like, like when you read a comic book and you, you'll, you'll read it with certain voices. You know, like uh, you might read Professor X's Patrick Stewart. You know? Yes. Or, uh, or yep. you know, something, something like that. But now everybody's just going to be Morgan Freeman. I think so. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get away with just just any narration, like when you have the little the, the boxes and, and sometimes. Now a lot of times those are done by a character, um, and uh, but but sometimes you just have some like a little narration with the comic. And I guess it would be okay to read those in Morgan Freeman. I think so. I'm going to try it. Alright. Probably going to be involuntary too, but... So I guess uh, we'll, we'll conclude our first episode of Under the Tunnel with, uh, with that. So uh, so I, I, I kind of feel like doing like what, uh, that other podcast that we mentioned this whole time I've been... But now I just want to say this whole time I've been Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I have also been Morgan Freeman. And I've been... <laughs> thank you for listening to under the cowl i've been your host david lloyd under the cowl is recorded live at crimson cowl comics and collectibles at 1749 barton avenue west bend wisconsin You can join us live each week or listen on Automatic and iTunes. Like us on Facebook at Crimson Cowl Comics or on Twitter at The Crimson Cowl.